The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello again. Welcome to another edition of the TOSD Toddcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network, found online at belmontmedia.org slash podcasts and also at soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. You can listen to the Toddcast at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. I'm Todd Bloniars from the award-winning Time Out for Sports Talk TV show available on BMC channels 28 and 29 and also on demand at belmontmedia.org. Joining me in the Studio B co-pilot's chair is Howie McClellan. And joining us on the telephone, because it is October the 1st, and it, October must mean playoff baseball. So we've got Chris Mason, Red Sox beat reporter for CNHI Sports Boston, a.k.a. Howie's nephew. You can read Chris's work online at eagletribute.com. I believe also the Salem News. Chris, is that correct? Yep, that is. Okay, and you can also follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at by Chris Mason, always entertaining there. Uh, Chris, thank you uh, for joining us here on uh, this special uh, Red Sox playoff preview. And uh, if it's okay, I'll also plug uh, your, your special pullout in the Eagle Tribune, which uh, your, your sports editor was kind enough to, uh, to do today uh, on the, uh, the Twitter feed. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, it's your own, you get your own eight-page pullout. That's a pretty cool thing there, Chris. I mean... Oh, definitely. I made sure to snag a couple of print copies to uh, give to my parents. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're like the Nick Cafano of the North. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, and you're the only Red Sox uh, writer for uh, for those uh, for the CNHI uh, sports media conglomerate. So, yeah. So, in other words, you know, most of the time you get those, like, those special pullouts, and you've got, like, all the different writers and columnists, but since it's just you, you got your own... Special pullout. I mean, hey, even uh, the big time guys at the Globe and the Herald don't get stuff like that. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was a labor of love. <laughs> so, so Chris, where do you where do you want to go? New York or uh, Oakland? I mean, if you're, I, since you're gonna fly I, out, what, what, what's your choice? <laughs> I wouldn't mind a trip out to California. I've only been there once in high school, <laughs> so uh, oh, okay. I definitely I definitely take that one if it pops up. But I mean, a, a Yankee series would be so much fun <laughs> that uh, either way, I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, boy, uh, a few different things here. Uh, first of all, of course, it being uh, we're recording this show on October the 1st, and, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when I, I think of this, uh, I was thinking back, you know, of course, Red Sox-Yankees uh, just finished uh, wrapping up the regular season, and I don't know about you, Howie, but my, my first thoughts went to 40 years ago. Uh, it's actually, I think tomorrow is the 40-year anniversary of the uh, infamous uh, one-game playoff. Speaking of one-game playoffs, we were just talking about the National League ones uh, that are going on today, and uh, yeah, it was a, a game 163 that took place uh, 40 years ago that did, um, did not have a happy ending for us Red Sox fans. No, every time you bring it up, it's like sticking a sharp stick in my eye. Yeah, and that, well, and, uh, our friend Mr. Buckner in '85, '86. Yeah, I don't even want to remember the yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thankfully that's all behind us. You know, thanks to 2004, of course. But uh, you know, just this. T- you know, I, there's a lot of anniversaries and also other uh, milestones. Actually, today I believe is Xander Bogart's birthday. So uh, happy 26th to Xander and. Uh, uh, Mookie Betts will be turning uh, 26 uh, six days from now. I know their their birthdays are six days apart. And, uh, of course, what the two of them have been able to do, and uh, as well as the whole Red Sox team. In fact, Chris and Howie, I want to start off here. we got to talk 
you know, this is not a Boston sports radio talk show. And Chris, I know you do sneak on sometimes with the uh, the Prince of Darkness there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and I know all he wants to do is talk about the negative, and we will get to the negative or the concerns about the current Red Sox team. But hell, this team won 108 games this year. Only the fourth time in franchise history they've won 100 games. Uh, the first time they've ever won 108 games, a new franchise record. I, I think, you know, in the 118-year history of the franchise, that's pretty impressive. And I think it's definitely worth, uh, you know, kind of celebrating or commemorating. And, you know, there was a lot of great, uh, you know, milestones hit by a, a lot of talented young players this year. So, I mean, Chris, just your overall thoughts on, on covering uh, this uh, team this season and just how, how special it, it, it was for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's even more impressive given the fact that they punted the last two weeks and kind of treated it like spring training. Like, that number could have been even higher if they were, you know, really playing the string out and not just trying to rest guys. Um, but it, it's crazy. It's just like everything that could go right for them in the regular season seems to have gone right. You know, like everything happens. I actually wrote that for a column one day last week. Um, the day they had the doubleheader, Bogarts was four RBIs away from 100. Um, Betts needed a steal for the 30-30 club. Like, J.D. could tie a franchise record for a first-year uh, home run total. And all of those things happened. You know, first game, they're like, oh, we don't even need the second game because we're going to hit these. And then, I mean, Bogarts really wanted 100 RBIs. And his, like, rainmaker two-run homer to center field to hit the mark was just such a, like, yep, everything goes right for these guys. So it's just been one of those years, man. Yeah, well, while we're just talking about Bogarts, really quick, uh, obviously uh, career highs this year uh, for him in in home 23 home runs, career high 103 runs batted in, uh, hit 342 with runners in scoring position, and of those 103 runs batted in, 31 of them came with the bases loaded. He was nine for 15 with the bases loaded this year, three grand slams, three doubles. Uh, yeah, I mean, and of course, you, you know, again, it's his birthday today. He, he's done all that before he turned 26. Uh, Heck of a season for him. If you, if you ask him about that stuff, you know, a lot of guys default to, like, oh, no, like, you treat every at bat the same, whatever. <laughs> He's honest. He's like, no, man, you get up there with the bases loaded. You focus a little more. Like, you really want to get a hit. <laughs> well, yeah, you, yeah, you want to get a grand slam. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, every kid's dream growing up playing in the backyard. I mean, that's what it always was. Bottom of the ninth, two out, bases loaded, and you hit one out of the park. I mean, that's, yep. that's just what we always wanted to do. So, and they're no different because they did the same. They were all little kids at one time. They're still little kids in my book now. Yeah. That's another story. Well, and the, so <laughs> and the Sox hit 10 grand slams this year, which was 10 more than they hit all of last year. Uh, this what, year. Was the, what was the total difference between home runs last year and this year? Uh, to total, total home runs. Difference. How, but how many we hit this year? As oh, I mean, it was year. it was considerably I mean, we, more. I mean, we were I, terrible I last year in hitting home runs. Yeah, I mean, this year they hit 208. I, I think last year they were maybe around 150, 160. I don't know, Chris, do you remember? Or? Uh, it, it was low. It was significantly lower, but I'm not sure what the number was exactly. Yeah, but I mean, Martinez made such a difference with that. I mean, it it was good that they had someone in the lineup that they you know they couldn't pitch around some of these other guys when they had him in there and they had to worry about him. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, in a lot of these, like, before series starts, um, pitchers will have advanced meetings, right? And they always will outline one guy on another team who, I don't know, say it's um, say it's the Orioles, like, or, well, not the Orioles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad example. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that was the example there. But, um, but, you know, you just pick out the one guy, and it's like, okay, don't let him beat you. All right, the Angels, Mike Trout, do not let Trout beat you. Someone else beats you, okay, but we're not going to let him beat us. And, I mean, with J.D. in the fold now, you can't – I think last year a lot of teams would just be like, all right, we're not going to let Mookie Betts beat us, you know, and that's why he had – like he took a step back. Now you have to pick between Betts or Martinez or even Bogarts when he's, you know, putting a season like this together. And, 
it, it's just made a huge difference. Well, it's doubly impressive on, on the Bogarts front, and we'll get to JD too, but Bogarts uh, with 103 runs batted in, first time he, he's broken 100 RBI uh, in a season in his career, but he did it batting for the most part behind J.D. Martinez, who himself drove in 130 runs, you would think. Uh, and also between the 43 home runs uh, J.D. hit, which is uh, most ever by a Red Sox player in his first season with the team. But you would think with all those home runs and all those runs batted in, there wouldn't have been much left for Xander to uh, take advantage of. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of makes those numbers all the more impressive. And, and both of them you know, hit extremely well, obviously, with runners on base. Yeah, you, you left out. And Devis hit, tw- uh, hit 21 home runs. I mean, everyone... Just wants to talk about his, you know, errors and up what playing in the field. But I mean, he put him out of the park when he needed to too, so he couldn't always overlook him either. Yeah, and that was with three DL stints too. Like he missed some substantial time and still, you know, hit the twenty home run mark. Yeah, I mean, Devers, uh, twenty-one home runs. Uh, by the way, I have a fun stat on him. Only the third Red Sox hitter in franchise history to have a, a twenty home run season before turning twenty-two. The other two. Ted Williams did it once his rookie year, 1939. Did it no. three times. 64, 65, and 66. Uh, so he had three seasons of that before he even turned 20. I mean, that's. I mean, he came up with an 18 year old, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's amazing. But uh, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and you know, for Devers to do this, like you said, Chris, with all the time on the DL two, uh, he certainly has been getting hot lately. Four home runs in his last 10 games. Uh, you know, I guess we'll sort of bounce around different topics since we brought up Devers. What are your thoughts? I know probably two weeks ago the, the conversation was, you know, Nunez is going to be your third baseman, but Devers does seem to be picking it up with the bat lately. Uh, should he get his third base spot back uh, for these playoffs? I think you're going to see a platoon there, um, like a, a pretty true platoon where depending on the righty or the lefty, you'll see Nunez or Devers. And uh, it's interesting, too. Like, Devers has the errors, but I think defensively they're a lot closer than you'd think. Just because, like, Nunez is sure-handed, but Devers has significantly better range than he does, you know? So, like, some of these balls that Devers gets to and throws away are balls that Nunez might not even get to. Yeah. But just at, at the plate, given the way Devers is hitting, I think it's it's at least a platoon again. Yeah, as I say, either that, you'll see a lot of uh, late-inning replacements, you know, for defensive yeah. purposes and take Devers out and bring Nunez in, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the way, obviously, the way he's hitting lately, I think you want to start with him. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a splits in front of me how he's doing against righties versus lefties. But uh, uh, Chris, it sounds like you're fairly convinced that they'll, they'll make it a straight platoon, and that uh, Devers. I thought Devers at times hit fairly well against lefties, so that's kind of why I'm, I'm a little curious why they would, you know, necessarily want to just go to a left-right platoon with him and Nunez there. It's just he has, um, he has a couple of like high-profile home runs against lefties that kind of stick with you. Yeah. Like when he took Chapman deep last year. Uh, that one definitely stood out. <laughs> exactly, and that's like lefties, so you automatically think like, oh, well, he hits lefties pretty well too. He, he's he's fine against lefties, but there is still a split there. Hmm. How do you think they're going to handle the catching situation? I think that's Leon's job. I, um, Yeah, I think you're going to see Leon behind the plate. Um, maybe Blake Swihart gets a pinch-hitting appearance. And I, I don't think you're going to see much of Christian Vasquez. But yet they're probably going to put Vasquez on the playoff roster, right? Which it feels like a wasted roster space. If I mean, And I understand that the division series, you don't necessarily need as many pitchers because it's only a five-game series. But why waste a roster space with a third catcher if he really doesn't have a, any kind of defined role as to how you might use him? No, that's a great conversation. I mean, that's a great question. And I think it just comes back to, a, I don't know, maybe a comfort thing where um, – if you need that catcher defensively because, I don't know, maybe you don't want Swihart in there. 
that Cora can default to him, and it's also uh, something the Astros did last year. So, you know, it's automatically like, oh, well, the 17 Astros did it. It's probably a fair bet that uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to have some real estate. Yeah, no, interesting. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, just even if you could have, uh, like, Zhu Wei Lin on the roster there instead of a third catcher, then you have another, like, steady defensive replacement, pinch runner. I don't know. It's interesting, but I think they're going to roll with all three. Yeah, I say it wasn't too long ago that Swyout was considered the number one catcher in this organization, yeah. <laughs> and now he's turned into a, a Swiss Army knife. Whatever they can get, wherever they can get him, put him in. You know, whether it be a little bit of catching, a little bit outfield. Yeah. Uh, well, given where he was, where the season started, I mean, where he was on the verge of, you know, they they had to create a space for him, or else they were going to have to let him go, expose him to waivers. Probably would have lost him. And I'm glad they did, and I'm glad they well, found a way to keep him the, around. Because the injuries, it was a good thing that they kept him around. Oh sure, yeah. You know? I mean, then when Vasquez went down, you're right. I mean, that's uh, you know, he's you know, handy guy to have. And uh, you know, it, it's weird. None of the catchers really hit, but everyone says Swihart's the best hitting of the bunch. And again, he only hit like 230 this year. Yeah, but I think a lot of that, he, he was really struggling earlier in the year when he was getting no playing time, you know. He's hitting, he's seeing live pitching once every 10 days. I think uh, if you looked at the stats in the second half or even just since Vasquez, like his injury and he started getting regular playing time, it's been significantly better than the other two. Yeah, well, they always said he was a better, a better offensive uh, option than either one of them. Yep. You know, they always say he was the offensive guy and uh, Vasquez was going to be the defensive guy and then when – uh, the injuries came, and all of a sudden, Leon showed up in the picture, and now it's like, okay, what do we do now, guys? <laughs> yeah, and then they gave Vasquez the nice contract, too, so they kind of, you know, at least financially invested in him. Uh, it, the thing is, if you bring all three catchers, I can almost see a scenario where they're going, like like you're saying here, you know, they're going to start Leon, and then maybe fifth or sixth inning, a, a big spot comes up. They might pinch hit Swihart for Leon, but then they're not going to leave Swihart in to catch. Then they'll probably have Vasquez, and that's how they're going to use the three-headed catching monster, which, again, just feels, I don't know, it feels like a little bit of a waste of a roster spot. But I suppose it, maybe if you're going to hit for Leon earlier in games, then at least you've got another, you know, a steadier defensive backup who the pitchers trust maybe a little bit more than Swihart. Yeah, but Swihart also plays other, other positions, too, so it's not a totally wasted roster spot he's a utility guy pinch it uh true so he, he can do other things too so it's not a total waste well yeah and then you know speaking of pinch hitting you know there's also brock holt and then where does he factor in at uh you know the other i guess position to talk about would be second base where kinsler uh, his offensive numbers really dropped off he only ended up hitting uh 242 in uh, 37 games with the Sox. i think he, like the first week he was on fire but you know, he's really cooled off, and, you know, Holt's been hitting great, but he's also been hitting well as a pinch hitter. And, you know, is, do, you, do you envision a straight platoon there, Chris, between those two guys at second base, or will it pretty much be Kinsler, and then they'll just kind of, you know, pinch hit with Holt where they uh, need, uh, where it sees, you know, where the opportunities arise? This is one where Cora really hasn't shown his cards at all. Um, I, th I think Holt is hitting too well not to, like, figure into the game plan somewhere. But... Um, yeah, that one's that one's much tougher to decipher because Cora hasn't really like thrown it out there at all yet. What he wants to do, but yeah, like like I said, I think they've used Holt so many different places too. Where um, I mean, he, even if you want to pinch hit him for Moreland at some point, um, you know that that's an option there. Like I think Holt's gonna find his way in there somehow, but I'm just not really sure how yet. Yeah, I think he's played every position. What a pitcher and catcher. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like this year he's played a little less outfield than I know he had in past years. Uh, he certainly feels more like uh, more. I, granted, he can play seven different positions, but I think this year they've kind of eyed him more as a as an infielder. Uh, I don't yeah, know. He definitely has been. Yeah, he probably could pitch and catch too if they asked him to. <laughs> and I think some of that Swihart too, where they'll put Swihart in the outfield instead of Holt, and getting JD. I mean, then you have four legitimate outfielders that are going to rotate in and out. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's going to be in the lineup somewhere. But you mentioned with Holt possibly pinch hitting for Moreland, and I guess there's, you know, it's really strange. I mean, I feel like the, almost like an Abbott and Costello routine here. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third because you're talking about platoons at third, a potential platoon at second maybe, and then even at first base, Moreland, who was an all-star this year. I don't know what happened to him in the second half. His offense totally disappeared. Steve Pierce been pretty solid since Dombrowski picked him up around June. And... You know, I don't know. Is this another situation? Again, you got one lefty hitter, one righty hitter. Is this another potential platoon? Or, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this one, Chris? Oh, I think the first base is going to be a straight platoon. Um, yeah, I, I think that's just going to end up being a straight-up platoon. I don't think Barr will bench Moreland at this point. But um, I, I do think you're going to see that uh, with Pierce against lefties. Now, Martinez, can, he can play a little uh, first base also, can't he? Uh, I don't JD. No, I think, no, I think he was base. playing mostly outfield this year. I don't know if yeah. he got into any action yeah. at first. Uh, yeah, but I think he's played first before. But I don't know if they would ever want to put him. I mean, you haven't used him there all year. I don't know why you would suddenly put him in a big spot like that. I, I, I'm just saying, if they're shuffling things around, they pinch hit for Moreland. They got to bring someone in first base. I mean, there's just so many different. Well, it depends. True, yeah. but but if Martinez is your DH, then you're certainly he's probably locked in at that spot. You, it, you if you move him into you know you, you have him play first base later in the game, you then lose you're the lose. DH. Too. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. So you know if, if he's going to start the game as the DH, that's pretty much where he ends up. Uh, you know he's going to be there till the finish because you don't want to lose that. Uh, you know, and then end up having pitchers hitting in a playoff game. Uh, Certainly, worry about that when the World Series comes yeah. if you get that far. But uh, you know, not not until then. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I guess the other interesting thing is when you look at first, second, and third base with the Red Sox, they have you know six pretty good guys, and it, it's sort of very convenient how it all falls each, at each position. They have a lefty and a righty, so I guess they could theoretically just do the straight platoon here, and you know, uh, you know, have three lefties in the lineup against the righty pitcher and vice versa. So it's. Uh, yeah, but, but you think so first and third you kind of envision is straight platoon second base maybe not so much yeah pretty much it's pretty crazy how uh for a 108 win team there's so many question marks going into the playoffs and we haven't even got to the pitching <laughs> no we haven't but before we get to the pitching i you know we you, we talked about jd martinez and, and what he's done and actually i think you had a nice write-up uh, in your, uh, your your special eight-page commemorative section uh, the, the chris mason commemorative <laughs> so uh but you talked about uh the presence of martinez in the lineup what he's what he's done for everyone in that lineup i mean you know, very impressive. I think uh, I was reading somewhere he's the he's the only player because he became the first player in Major League history to hit, have 40 home runs, 100 runs batted in, and hit over 300 in back-to-back seasons. Mm-hmm. And he actually did that for two different teams, which is even more impressive in two different leagues. Also yeah, impressive. Actually, for three different teams, he played for. Oh two right, last yes, year. last year, true, yeah. right? He went American National, then back to the American League. So yep. yeah. I mean, he's it's it's a lot of work he puts in. He's just obsessed with hitting, you know. And, it's a good thing for one of your best players to be obsessed with because then, you know, that kind of sets the bar that, okay, if JD's doing this much work, you better be doing that much work too. 
Yeah, well, he needs the threat in the lineup that they haven't had since Ortiz retired. Uh, and also the fact that he, he has that positive presence where he rubs off on the other players and they're all learning to become better hitters by watching him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's what happens when you have a student of the game. You have someone that you can ask questions to, someone you can go to when you have a concern. And more than likely, he's going to have an answer for you, you know, maybe even better than the pitching coach. Yeah. And, the hitting coach, um, excuse me. I mean, coach. Mookie. Well, and there you go. I was just about, about you, you were reading my mind, Chris, because, uh, you know, probably the biggest beneficiary uh, on this team, and there have been a lot of them in the, up and down that lineup. But, uh, you know, Mookie Betts has sort of put himself in the stratosphere now uh, with, with the numbers he was putting up this year. As a, as a 25-year-old, he's, he's certainly a bona fide MVP candidate. He won the... Uh, American League batting title, uh, first uh, AL uh, batting title winner for the Sox since uh, 2003 when Bill Miller won. And uh, his average, uh, actually his 346 average led all of Major League Baseball. And I think they was reading that's the highest average uh, for, for anybody uh, in, uh, well, it's the highest batting average since Manny Ramirez hit 349 and 02. And the uh, highest batting champ, Wade Bodge, you got to go back 30 years when he hit 366. Uh, I, I don't, one thing I don't understand, everyone keeps talking about Betts, MVP. I, I mean, you get on the numbers. Martinez played more games. He had more hits. He had more home runs. He had more RBIs. He was uh, second in batting. I, I mean, led what, the league why, in RBI. Why, yeah, why do they think, why is everyone right on the, the Betts bandwagon? I don't know. Martinez, to me, has better numbers across the board, played more games. I mean, I think he's more the MVP in my book, but again, I know with the stigma, he's a DH, they say, so even though he does play some field, you know, they'll say, oh, he doesn't play all the time, you know, he doesn't play the field. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly not the kind of DH that David Ortiz was where he'd play six games a year in the NL Parks at first base. Yeah. I mean, Martinez got into a lot more games in the outfield this year, so yeah, he's, but you're right, yeah, it's more still... total bases. But yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're overall, Chris, what's your thought on this? I guess if I had to throw in my two cents here, I would say... J.D. Martinez, if you ask me to vote for most valuable player and the impact that Martinez has had on the rest of the team and you add in those offensive numbers, I would give it to him. Unfortunately, I think some riders tend to look at the MVP as the most outstanding player, and I guess that's where Mookie gets more votes. Yeah, if I, if I had a vote, I would go with Mookie. Um, it's just I, I do see it as the most outstanding player. Um, that, that's just kind of the way I've always viewed it. And I, What I, makes him more outstanding? What, I mean... Well, I think the defense, like, I think if you had a best offensive player award, it would be J.D., but Mookie's a significantly better all-around player in terms of, I mean, he could win his third straight gold glove in right field this year. He's the best base runner on the team. He's a 30-30 guy, um, second yep. highest batting average ever in the 30-30 club this year. Well, they said he's also the first, uh, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, first uh, player in Major League history to win a batting title and have a 30-30 season in the same year. Nobody's ever done that. And, of course, Betts now uh, is the second all-time Red Sox uh, player to be a 30-30 guy. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury in 2011 is the only other uh, Sox player that's done it. Yep, and his um, yeah, and his run scored are off the charts. And it's funny if you talk to him, he'll always say that's his favorite stat. Like, I just want to score runs. And he does that. And, like, just when he gets on base, I, he's, I, I think he gets inside pitchers' heads. I mean, I, I just think he does everything. He does so many little things so well. He's so good at going first to third. Um, so, yeah, if, if I had a vote, I'd go with Betts. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, Betts isn't a good player. Just, I mean, everyone's right away giving it, you know, 
to him, and, you know, and, and my, I don't know, Martinez's numbers are right there. I mean, I guess we can't go wrong either way. If either one of them wins it, we're going to win, so well, right. that's a good thing. But. Yeah, and, and like, I, I would say I'm not going to be upset or disappointed if Betts gets it. It's just, you know, it's, I think, Howie, you clearly said you'd go Martinez. I would probably go Martinez if it was up to us to have a vote, and Chris says Betts. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I think we're all, you know, saying that both of them have had amazing years, and, uh, yeah, I just think with Betts, they probably, like Chris said, you, I mean, you kind of look more at the defense, and you, you know, you factor Factor that in, and uh, you know he's great defensive numbers. The runs scored, uh, also another record he uh, set this year for the Red Sox. Most home runs by a leadoff hitter. He broke Nomar's record of uh, 30 back in '97. Uh, uh, Mookie with 32 this year. I mean, what can't he? I mean, that's the thing. You know, you factor in the you know the speed, the defense, all the you know you know the five tool player, pretty much, mm-hmm. almost maybe not quite the the throwing arm, but. You know, but no one has a real the argument, right? The argument would be that if you compare him and JD, maybe Mookie's got at least one more tool. Am I right about that, Chris? Or uh... yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. Um, yeah, maybe maybe two more, but he, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I would just, I, I think Beth has done it all this year, and I might be slightly biased because I asked Eck <laughs> who he'd go with, just as a former MVP, and he said Beth's like, you know, he, he, the kid does it all. He's like he's like Willie Mays, and mm. Eck grew up watching Willie Mays, so I was like, that, that was one of those things that kind of stuck with me, like, wow, okay. like. Yeah, the only thing I'll say that is, is unwill, uh, the more Willie Mays than that is it's Bradley Centerfield play. His, his defense is, to me, that's Willie Mays' defense. Well, yeah, Brad, that, Bradley has literally yeah. made some of those behind-the-back uh, oh. catches in center like Mays did. Yeah. Uh, will, he, will he finally get his gold glove this year? Bradley? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the one thing I was reading, though, it's, it's when they have uh, the starting outfield. When the starting outfield is Bradley, Betts, Benintendi, uh, the Red Sox winning percentage is at least 100 points higher. I mean, they're like, uh, I think they're like 65 and 20-something. Uh, and then if, uh, you know, if Martinez is in there, obviously the, the percentage is a little lower. I mean, it feels to me, especially the way Bradley is hitting right now, he seems like he's on another one of his little Jackie Bradley, uh, you know, hopefully he picked October for the hot month here. <laughs> and if that's the case, then you throw in his defense. I mean, I would be playing him all the way through. I'm sure a few weeks ago maybe we would have been saying that and maybe would have tried to find more ways to get Martinez uh, in the outfield. Maybe you have someone else DHing, but right now I think you, you got to play Bradley there. Uh, again, your thoughts, Chris? Uh, I don't have his lefty splits right in front of me. I mean, I know early in the season he was really struggling against them. Obviously, he's hitting better since. I mean, I think he's someone that will probably stay in the lineup either way now, just given I – mean, I, th- I think it's something since, like, since June his OPS is over 800, you know, and the fact that he's gotten his numbers back to, like, you look at him, you're like, oh, okay, like, that wasn't, uh, you know, that's not a bad season after, like, where they were in early June. Yeah, and okay. he's going he's gonna to save them games and save them runs by defensively. So, I mean, you, you got to keep them out there, especially when they start playing in some of the bigger parks other than Fenway. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think you'll see a lot of Bradley. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, good, uh, certainly good uh for the for the Sox, I mean, it feels like that's the the direction they want to go in. So, uh, you know, we figure, okay, so you've got your you know you got your offensive guys uh, picked out here. Uh, you got your fourteen guys, I suppose. So, what what, what would be the the uh, bench for position players? I guess what what are we talking here? We're talking about the the first, second, third base uh, backups or whatever, and then uh, you've got room for what uh, two more? Uh, yeah, two more backups. I guess that would be what Swihart and Vasquez. Yep, uh, two catchers. So that's it. Yeah. So so Sue Lynn out. Uh, Brandon Phillips out. 
uh, I guess. I mean, barring an injury. I mean, a really quick update, though, on Nunez here, Chris. Uh, I, I think he got a little banged up in the uh, in the game yesterday, the, the season finale, regular season finale, and it kind of brought back, at least for me, kind of a bad flashback to last year and uh, what happened to him and then, uh, you know, how, he, how quickly he went down and wasn't available for the playoffs. Are they are the Red Sox concerned at all, or is Alex Cora concerned with uh, Nunez's? Uh... Just given um... – I mean, first of all, he's got to lead the league in, like, freak injuries at first base. You know, there's that's <laughs> yeah. like it's like the fifth time in a year and a half I've seen that happen. But this was his ankle. It wasn't the hamstring or knee, and he was good enough to stay in the game. Um, it never came out. So, yeah, Cora didn't seem very concerned about it afterwards. Um, but when he went down, it looked like a knee right away. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely some flashbacks. Now let's get to the interesting part of yes, this, this lineup. Yes, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> pitching staff. Yes, 11 men, and uh, yeah, I guess, uh, well, I guess let's, you know, before we even get to the bullpen, why don't we talk about the starting pitchers, because I found a very interesting stat. I was reading this uh, somewhere. Uh, Chris Sale, David Price, and Rick Porcello, those are your three, your top three starters. We all know they're going in the first three games. That That's the one sure thing we know of. Just for the record, though, they've made 14 career postseason starts. They are 0-11 with a 6.18 combined earned run average. Now, obviously, if the Red Sox are going to go far, history is going to have to change in a big way because uh, you need you need those three guys, at least for a start, to, to be able to be effective uh, here in the playoffs. Yep. Um, I mean, that's I mean that's what's completely derailed them the last two years. I mean... There's been a lot of attention in other places, but ultimately the starting pitching has been awful in the last two ALDSs. Clay Buckles has the best start of any of those seven, and he went, I think it was four innings, gave up two runs, and took the loss in game four of Earth. Oh, in 2013? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh. a comforting thought. Wow. Well, also maybe uh, just as comforting is the fact that uh, Chris Sales only made five starts uh, in the last two months, and in uh, one of them he went five innings, and the other four he didn't even make it to the fifth inning. So uh, are we – and then, of course, in his last start, I think what he was barely breaking 90. Or any reason, I mean, the Red Sox tried to do everything right with Sale this year by, you know, uh, trying to rest him or hold him back because his August-September numbers, he wears down typically, and they, they, they tried to kind of ease up on his innings. And in fact, he only threw 158 innings this year. But – you know, again, he still seems to have these concerns with his health. Uh, uh, Chris, what are your th- what are you thinking here? Watching uh, Sale, is he going to be able to just suddenly get the get his fastball back up to like you know the mid nineties again uh, here in October? I think the velocity is absolutely a concern. Um, yeah, his four seamer averaged ninety point one miles an hour, I think, in his last start, which was a career low. And afterwards, uh, he and the Red Sox both said it's not arm fatigue; it's something mechanical where he's not getting his hips into it. Yeah, I was reading that that in his arm slot, and you know, it's it's like they talking like he's on a spring training and stuff. But are you buying that? I don't know. I mean, we'll find out on Friday. But either way, I mean, you have a very short window to you know correct this, even if it is mechanics and not arm fatigue. So I, I think there's there should be plenty of concern there. Yeah, and then of course, uh, obviously, David Price, nine career postseason starts, no wins as a starter. He's won a couple of games as a reliever in the in the playoffs. But again, you need you need to get further. I mean, last year's uh, playoffs that you referenced, Chris, I don't think any of the starting pitchers in those four games against Houston got out of the fourth inning, and you can't uh, have that, especially. But didn't he gave up seven runs? I think in game one. 
Oh, right, sale. Okay, yeah, but right, but there's the biggest problem, and of course, you know, the other problem is if the starters don't go long enough, then we start talking about the bullpen, which I guess now we can really get into as far as uh, who who are going to be the well, well. Even before that, let, let's kind of back up a second. Um, who who do you think is going to be the fourth starter, or is it going to depend? on who the opponent is. Obviously, we're recording this before the American League wildcard game. Uh, Oakland at New York uh, playing the Yankees Wednesday night. Winner will be coming to you know, Fenway for game one of the LDS. So uh, what's, uh, what, are you, what are you thinking there as far as uh, who might start game four? Would it be Evaldi if it's the Yankees, but maybe Rodriguez if it's Oakland? That's kind of what Cora's hinted at, although I think it should be Evaldi either way just given the way he's pitched in September and the way Erod has pitched in September. But the way Coors talked about it is that the opponent's going to dictate it, and it also could depend on how the first three games go. You know, like, if they're, uh, I don't know, if they're down 2-1, you know, and sales velocity was fine in game one, maybe you bring him back on short rest. Um, but I, I think a lot will depend on how the first three play out. But if I had a... I mean, if, if I was managing, I'd go with Evaldi. Yeah, it just seems like, I swear, Rodriguez, he reminds me, he reminds me of Buckholz. He, he comes out some days and he looks like he's going to be Hall of Fame, and then the next time he pitches, he looks like he shouldn't be in the uh, minor leagues. You know, and, and he never seems to be upset about it or any emotion. It's just like the same old thing. Okay, well, I got shelled today, all right. Well, I won today, all right. <laughs> I, know, I, don't, I just don't know if I trust him in a big, big game. Like, his stuff is very good, but he, he just nibbles so much, you know, when instead of, like, just going out and attacking guys. And Cora's been pretty straightforward with being frustrated about that all year. And he kind of called him out on uh, Saturday after that game where he's like, it's not good, he needs to be better. He knows he needs to be better. And basically was like, yeah, and he's pitching Sunday too. Then he came out Sunday and pitched well, one, two, three, struck out two, and, like, looked like, um, you know, a legit guy out of the bullpen. And I think that's another thing you could look at. Like, Erod as a reliever, I think, does add some value to that bullpen because you have so many question marks there. Well, you also have no left-handed relievers, yeah. so that helps. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm still a little unsure uh, whether Erod is capable of being a reliever given that he's really just kind of done it the last, like, week and a half in, in kind of fairly meaningless games. I mean, Chris, have you seen enough uh, from these performances to think that you know, he could handle pitching in a key at bat, uh, you know, this later this week? I mean, it would. It, you just have to kind of weigh him against your other options, you know? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, those aren't, those aren't great options. That's not a very comforting thought. But, uh, you, know, you know, the other thing when you, we're talking about Erod versus Evaldi as the fourth starter, you know, my – yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that says I think it makes sense to have Evaldi, especially given the fact in 16 innings against the Yankees this year, he's not allowed to run. I mean, so, you know, if, if you're getting the Yankees, which I think you will in the ALDS, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to go that way. But then the downside is Evaldi potentially might make for a better relief option, even though, again, Erod would be the, at least you'd have a lefty option. I I don't know. I mean, the way, you know, Evaldi can throw hard and, you know, he has movement on his pitches, I yeah, but do you want do you just, want to have a dominantly left-handed starting? Four, I know versus four, a predominant yeah. right-handed bullpen. Yeah, yeah I mean it's the, you know it's it's you got to look at that too, you know. Hey, and uh, what about the long-forgotten man, Mister Pomerantz? Are you gonna even make this playoff roster? Oh no chance, no. 
Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, as of right now, Chris, if we were kind of drawing out the bullpen, and I know a couple weeks ago you did a, uh, you kind of tried to project what was going to happen, and I think you, uh, your bullpen included uh, 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 Kimbrel Barnes and Brazier is like the only certain ones, I, I think. Uh, yeah, because I'm just, and then either Erod or Rivaldi, whoever's not starting game four. So those four, and then you've got, what, three more guys to try to put in there. Uh, you listed uh, on the bubble, you put Stephen Wright's name first, and I have to think he's more than the bubble right now, right? I mean, he's, oh, yeah, he's no. pitched pretty well. Oh. He's like a shoe-in at this point, right? Yeah, the only reason I had him as a bubble guy is just because um, health. You know, if his knee acted up, then that's the way he would not make it. But, I mean, he cruised through September, so, yeah, I think he's a lock. And, honestly, could be one of those guys that saves Dombrowski's bacon in that bullpen. No, they, they weren't banking on him coming back, but he's been very good since. Yeah, and then so now you're looking at uh, you got two more relief spots to fill amongst yep. uh, uh, Joe Kelly, Brandon Workman, uh, Heath Hembry, Tyler Thornburg, Bobby Pointer, Robbie Scott. I don't know. I mean, I, Ed Pomer. I guess Pomerantz, as you said, you're going to wipe him out. So if we can I mean, have, we we... have the Kelly of April and May, I'd say yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... But, yeah, I think I picked. So there, I think I had Workman, who still could like. I think there's a pretty good shot. And then Kelly, and they just hope that Mr. Hyde doesn't show up. Because he does have the most postseason experience out of any of those guys, too, with 16. But, I mean, he's just been so hit or miss. Who are you talking about, Kelly? Yeah. Kelly. What about I, what about Workman's postseason experience during the 2013? I mean, I, and well, I know that was Workman a whole. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, said... I'm just, yeah, because I'm thinking, I and I realize that's probably a couple arm surgeries ago, too. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's something about you know, what you can do upstairs, how you how you can pitch using your head, and I think Workman may be capable of doing that, even if he can't throw as hard as he did five years ago. Yeah, his velocity is the biggest thing. Like, when he has 94 in that curveball, he's a completely different pitcher than when he's living in the low 90s. And he showed that in a couple of September starts, or not starts, appearances. So if you're confident that you can get that guy, then I think you take him. If you're not confident in the velocity, then maybe you don't. And it's interesting, like, Wright's kind of thrown a wrench into the bullpen um, hierarchy, too, where, you know, he's probably going to be in a higher leverage role than you would have expected. And now you don't really have a mop-up guy. If, like, if it goes off the rails in game one, you know, who's just going to eat those innings? Um, Yeah, well, I don't know if maybe Johnson has a long shot because of it, you know? Like, maybe you carry him and he's a lefty, but... But isn't that it's a fetus to I mean, I guess that always begs the question. You're going into a playoff series. you got to set your roster. Do you do you plan to bring a mop-up guy in? That's almost a defeatist attitude. You're saying, well, we're probably going to get blown out in one of these games, so we better have a long man ready. You know, it's just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if that's. Even, yeah, I think if you're really in a spot where you end up using the 11th reliever, you're going to be in trouble either way. You know, like, yeah. if, if you're throwing Kelly into a pretty meaningful spot, <laughs> then it's like, uh. Uh, yeah, it's not, something's gone wrong, but yeah, we got to remember though, at least with Wright, you know, being knuckleball, he could he could come back and you know pitch a second a day, another day in a row or you know a day later, uh, you know. Kind of where his knee factors into it, where he's pitched back to back days, but if he throws three innings in game one, I don't know how many they'd be comfortable having him throw in game two. Yeah, but, you know, is I, I'm kind of looking at all these different names here. I, I get the feeling, and this is, again, I'm just going on a wild hunch, and you know, tell me what you what you think of this, Chris, but, uh, or, or you know, you too, Howie. Uh, I'm thinking, obviously, Kimbrell's closing, for sure. We know that. Barnes is probably, you know, and I, I know he hasn't pitched a whole lot, but I think they're, I think at least Cora right now is thinking he's the eighth inning guy. And then as far as the guys before Barnes, probably Stephen Wright, number one. 
uh, maybe Brazier too, maybe. And then you've got Workman and Kelly left uh, as your other options. And maybe Workman and Kelly get into the games when they're behind. I mean, Workman, I suppose, could go multiple innings if you needed it. But, I mean, what what do you, what do you think on, on that front? Is that kind no, of the way? I think that's about it. And that's, you know, what I ballpark their bullpen at. Or, or, of course, you've got the Erod Evaldi, whichever one's not yeah. starting Geelong Man too, right? I mean. It's interesting to see if they'll just try and piggyback those two off one another whenever that start does come. Because if all these numbers, the first two times through an order are really, really good, like OPS is of six-something. And the third time it jumps up over 800. So I don't know if they'd have him face a lineup a third time. You know, while you mention that, I got to ask you this question. I'll ask both you guys. I mean, I don't. You know, obviously, Chris, you've probably seen it a lot. Of how I don't know if you've noticed this. Obviously, it's become a trend now. There's a new position uh, in the uh, rotations of all these teams. It's called. It's no. You have a closer, but you also have an opener. These guys who go in and like pitch the first inning, maybe the second inning, and they're relievers. I mean, they're not intended to go out there and start and pitch five, six, seven, eight innings. And they just start the game, and then you tend you tend to bring a starter in maybe for the third inning after the first guy already faced the lineup once. Do you think we're going to see anything throughout this postseason where some team is going to try this? I mean, you know, you just brought up the idea of maybe Cora trying to piggyback Valdi and and Erod uh, together in a start. I mean, it, it, you're, I mean that's not quite what I was thinking, but I mean, can you envision that a team might? might try to do this, or, of course, we've got all these wild card games this week, so, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting, especially when you look at how deep some of the bullpens are, where, like, I don't know, maybe a team... Like, well, maybe the A's even, you know? Maybe they're tempted to try that in one game. And it does present a really... Well, they haven't announced their starter for the wild card game, so I'm almost thinking maybe that's... uh, I I heard one rumor that they might start Juris Familia as the opener. Uh, He's typically a, a one inning guy at most well it's interesting too because it creates a conundrum for the opposing manager where i don't know say say the opener's a lefty but you think the main guy is going to be a righty you know so you're the red sox and you have your platoon lineup like which platoon are you going to trot out there and are you still operating on the hunch that like someone's going to pitch this many innings afterwards yeah, it throws a whole monkey wrench into your lineup choices. Well, and how about, well, you know, and there's an interesting thought. You just, you, you kind of talking about the platoons. The Red Sox have an all right handed bullpen, and they pretty much have almost an all left handed starting rotation. I mean, Porcello would have all be the, the exceptions. What if you used one of these guys, like, God forbid I mention this, Joe Kelly is your opener. You have him go out there, so now you're throwing out a, but then again, I guess the other team knows he's not going to be in there that long, so you're probably not going to load your lineup full of lefties just to. Take advantage of that, knowing then yep. potentially you could bring Erod or or say if this was in a price or a sales start, you could bring those guys in later. Boy, this, just, this sounds so National League with all these yeah. choices and but it's the it's the Tampa. What we have to do, you but know? the team that did this is the Tampa Bay Rays. They're the ones that started this, and now it's like caught on like well, I don't want to say it's totally caught on like wildfire, but I've seen other teams do it. The Rays were doing it, perhaps out of necessity. I don't think they had enough good starters, and uh, you saw Cash doing it throughout the season, but. Uh, you know, and you know, to their credit, though, they only finished a, like a handful of games out of a wild card spot. They were uh, one ninety games. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, they exactly. I mean, you know, that's not bad for a team that has no that's short on starting pitching. I mean, their ninety wins would have them right in the thick of the. Uh, they would have been tied with the Braves in the uh, National League East. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so, so I, um, I think Cash is going to be a manager of the year finalist just because he's kind of like the uh, Black Knight in Monty Python, you know. <laughs> Where, like, they yeah. kept trading everyone away. Oh, yeah. no, we're going to trade them. Oh, deadline's come, we're trading more guys. It's like, oh, no, just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound. 
My goodness, that's like the that's the history that's the twenty year history of the Rays franchise, uh, Devil Rays slash Rays. I mean, that's all they yeah. do. I mean, they just keep you know if guys get halfway decent, they trade them. Yeah, same with the Marlins; they do the same yeah. thing. It must be a Florida thing. Yeah. So I don't know if we we pinned you down here, Chris, on the the end of the the Red Sox bullpen. I mean, who are you liking for? Uh, you know, uh, so Kimbrel, Barnes, Brazier for sure, uh, Wright for sure. And then who, who were the last two guys you think? Um, I, I think it's probably Workman Kelly. Yeah. Um, those are the two that, yeah. And that was my prediction a couple weeks ago, so I'll stick with it. All right. Okay. Well, actually, the way you listed them on the bubble, you had Kelly way at the end of the list, so I think you might have been hoping that it <laughs> – I don't know if that was your top uh, pick, certainly, but uh, – Howie, you're circling a lot of things on that pitching uh, stats yeah, I'm just, sheet. What are you, just, anything? Um, you, well, no, I'm you... just looking at different things. Just saying, okay. It surprised me. They only had uh, uh, one guy. Well, they only had one guy. <laughs> the one starter that didn't pitch the last two months had the most strikeouts. You know, oh just... yes, well yeah, I mean that's the, and I think this is why sales being thrown into the Cy Young argument. Although I mean, Kluber won twenty games, and even though I mean his numbers aren't that insane as far as the strikeouts, he still, I think he still finished with over two hundred strikeouts, and and he won won eight more games than Sale did, and also pitched the whole yeah, season. I, I can't but... see Sale getting to Cy Young, you know, and that with twelve wins, I would twelve out of I don't care what other numbers he had. 12, yeah, I mean twelve and four, you don't win the Cy Young. No, I mean, sorry. Chris, do you find it kind of crazy that he was being even? You know, even getting some consideration here? Is it just because I don't think of the... much of a chance? Honestly, I think the best thing he has going for him is that ultimately I think it's going to come down to Verlander and Snell. And Snell only. Oh, so not Kluber at all. I mean, I I thought, uh, okay, well, yeah, Snell's had a good year for Tampa, speaking of the Rays again. Oh, his ERA was like one, like a 1.8 or something. Opponents are hitting like, I think it was 90 against him. Uh, he, he was nasty, but the only knock is that he threw 180 innings, right? And I, well, did anybody b- barely pitch 200? I mean, I guess Kluber did, maybe Verlander. I mean, yeah, Kluber and Verlander were both around 215. Yeah, Sox didn't have anyone that hit 200 innings. Nope. And so that's that's uh, you kind of get into like a fundamental, like okay, how much do you value the innings pitched at? You know, because hypothetically, Verlander's numbers may have been better if he was lifted earlier in games and wasn't facing guys a third time. But then you have Snell, who's also pitching in the American League East and facing the Red Sox and the Yankees, like two of the best lineups in baseball quite a bit. So it's, it's a really interesting back and forth. I've been doing some thinking about this today, actually. You can probably tell. I think I'd go with Snell. Yeah, like I said, the one thing I do know for sure is I, I, I don't see that Sale's going to be in it. I just, yeah, I just, he shouldn't be. Just, no, just doesn't, have, just doesn't have the numbers. He, you know. No, I mean, you know, his strikeout numbers per nine are very impressive. His whip is very impressive, but he hasn't thrown enough innings. And yeah, oh, I bet I bet he'll come in fifth or so. Yeah, he'll come in higher than you'd expect, even though he only won twelve games. Because there was that one year, uh, uh, King Felix uh, Hernandez won. Uh, uh, he won like thirteen games and got the because he was he had was really high up in all the other pitching categories and he got the Cy Young in a in a year where there wasn't a whole lot of other competition really. I think he's the key to the whole thing. If we don't if we don't have a healthy Chris Sale. I think the domino effect goes right down, and if if we get we can't get him to to pitch well, uh, that's that's a problem. Oh, definitely, especially given the state of the bullpen. You know, it'd be one thing if he's a Yankees ace, and you know, if you're Severino and you blow up, well, then you still have that bullpen behind you, and Sale does not have that luxury. No, not at all, and they they can't afford not to have him pitch well. You know, because they they you know again they can't. You can't count on price. I mean, prove me wrong. Had a good year. Prove me wrong. Like he even said, he, he could he could win thirty five, go thirty five and zero. But if he doesn't win the playoffs, it doesn't matter. 
Exactly. And you know? Yeah. Price, you know, like everyone's waiting for that shoe to drop with him. Yeah, no question about Jeez, that. Do you think he'll opt out of his contract? Think he can get more than thirty million from anyone else? I doubt it. I think he'll get more than that. It's interesting. I think. I don't well, think he'll. Well, let's say out. let's say he went lights out this postseason. Do you think that would uh, sway uh, the possibility that he might I would, opt out? I think yeah. If he lights out in the playoffs, then I think there's definitely uh, all along. I've said I think there's a possibility he pitches well this year. And if he finishes strong, and you know if you see David Price like lights out through the ALCS or whatever. I, I, I could see it happening. Yeah. Well, it, you know, obviously, you know, the someone who also deserves a lot of credit, the, not just the guys on the field, but uh, Alex Cora, first year as, as a major league manager, 108 wins. Uh, he's second only to Ralph Houck of the 1961 Yankees, uh, who managed that team to 109 wins. Uh, but Cora, definitely, uh, you know, second best for a rookie manager. Uh, talk about uh, you again mentioned this. You talked about this in your little, you know, in the, in the Chris Mason commemorative on the Red Sox. You talked about you mentioned the two big keys uh, to this season have been, you know, starting with JD Martinez in the lineup and then Alex Cora in the dugout. Yeah, I mean, I think he set the tone early on. Um, it was it was much looser than a year ago. Um, veterans had a lot more slack, you know. Um, they definitely took a liking to Cora right away, I think. And, like, he's, he's kind of had a plan, and he's never deviated from it, where he's like, I'm going to rest, guys. It's just something I'm going to do, you know. People might get angry, but I have the, like, long-term goal in mind. And, it, I mean, it's certainly made easier by the fact that they were winning at the clip that they were, where he never faced a ton of scrutiny for that. But I think players respected the fact that he's like, hey, I'm going to give you guys these days, and, like, never came to them day of, like, hey, I need you. I need you today, you know. I mean, so we wouldn't have the uh, Manny keep my bat on the shoulder for three pitches and go out? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, um, well, you brought it up earlier, too. Uh, I think, Howie, you said it. Uh, Martinez played 150 games this year, which was the most of any Red Sox player. Of course, he also spent at least half those as a DH, so that doesn't, you know, as far – he was already getting rest built in just because he wasn't in the field uh, for that many games. But then you look at, you know, a lot of the other guys, they definitely got their rest. I mean, Betts – 136. I, I I think he might have maybe he was bagged up briefly there early in the year. Benintendi 148. Bogarts 136. Uh, you know uh, JBJ 144. I mean, yeah. Um, and I, I think he set a tone early on that like hey, it's okay to make mistakes. We're all gonna make mistakes, but just be accountable for your mistakes. Where is uh, one of the first games of the year? He like they. I think they were down six to two. They rallied back, took like a 7-6 lead, right? And it was the day that J.D. was in the field. And Cora just left J.D. in the field and kept uh, Bradley on the bench in the ninth inning. And that's one of those like very obvious defensive replacements. And afterwards, he was asked, like, why, why did you leave J.D. in? He's like, oh, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, the manager got excited during a six-run inning, and he just missed that one. Um, <laughs> and someone was like, why are you being so honest about it? He's like, well, I asked these guys to be transparent, be honest, be genuine when you make mistakes. And, I mean, they know I messed up. You guys know I messed up. I saw it. Like, I'm gonna, like if I'm going to hold them to that standard, I'm going to hold myself to it, too. And I think that's something that resonated with those guys right away, where it's like, okay, well, this guy's doing it. Like, we're doing it, too. Yeah, I think the fact that he's a lot closer in age to him than, you know, like a Farrell was, or, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he can relate more to the, the music, the, uh, you know, just the whole culture. Um, you know, he's he a former player. You know, what a World Series. I mean, right. he's well, got a lot of positives. And we talked uh, about the bilingual part, too. That's a yeah. big aspect when you have a lot of uh, players who English isn't necessarily their first language. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You can hear Cora, like, ragging on Devers in Spanish in the clubhouse sometimes, and you know that Farrell never had that sort of relationship with him. Yeah, I like the, I like the article like I read uh, yesterday about the uh, little cards they had in the hat that tell them where to position themselves in certain batters. And, oh, yeah. yeah right. I, I was like, really? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, but it worked. I mean, if Betts was waving his card, yeah, I was in the right place. Yeah. You know, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting to, to, to read that. But, you know, that's what these players are all into now. They're not into the old hunches, you know, gut feelings, um, you know, any of that stuff. It's, it's, it's all, they're all students of the game, too, as far as, you know, the analytics. So when you have a manager that's like that, you know, it makes the transition a lot easier than if you brought in some you know, old crusty uh, baseball guy that's been in for, you know, 30 years. And uh, I think it was a great move that they made, and you're seeing it a lot more now on most teams now in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and I wonder, too, how much of that has to do with, like, millennials becoming the athletes, you know, where you almost have to manage them differently. And you see the players' managers having the most success, whether it's um, Francona, whether it's A.J. Hinch, whether now it's Cora, you know. Boone. Just these guys that are pretty easy going. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna see a lot. You're gonna see a lot more of those as these uh, managers get uh, let go. You're gonna see a lot more of that, I think, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, so Chris, I gotta ask, how how how's your Spanish uh, gotten now uh, over the course of this season? Uh, given that you get to hear so much of it in the uh, the clubhouse now, uh, it's not it's not great. I should have paid better attention in high school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things I've actually considered trying to pick up Rosetta Stone this winter when I have some time in the off season. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's a possibility. Sure. Yeah. Try and get conversational. I guess what I, that's, I say that now. If I knew what I knew and now, back then, I would have taken typing in high school and not shop. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, was looking at a computer, you know? And that was one of the most valuable classes I remember taking in high school was, was typing. Yeah, mm. sure. Uh, all right. Let's get to the opponent here. And obviously, we, you know, we're recording this uh, the Mon- on Monday, October 1st. So we don't know who the Red Sox are playing yet in the uh, ALDS uh, come Friday at Fenway Park. And uh, it's either we know it's going to be either uh, the Oakland A's or the New York Yankees. They'll play the wild card game at Yankee Stadium on uh, this coming Wednesday. Uh, Chris, you kind of uh, you know you've had a couple columns uh, talking about uh, both these teams. Uh, you know, give us a kind of a scouting report on both. Who do you think the Red Sox match up better against, and who do you think ultimately they're going to end up playing? Um, I think they match up better with the A's. I think anyone would match up better with the A's. Just if you look at where that rotation's at right now. The bullpen has looked like their bullpen was really good this year, but it's looked tired in September because they're getting so many short starts. Um, and then throughout the lineup, like their lineup is really consistent, but they don't have, like, Chris Davis has 47 homers, right? His OPS is still under 900. You know, there's no one that just really is like a lights out superstar. By the way, though, I just, not to interrupt, but I, I read this today. Chris Davis is an absolute model of consistency because apparently this year, well, he 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 led uh, the American League in home runs, but he also finished the year with a 247 batting average. Listen to this, Howie: the fourth straight year, fourth year in a row, he he hit 247. It's not like he had a round number like 250 or 300. He had 247 four years in a row. I mean, and and in fact, when they showed the breakdown, like he had, it wasn't like he had the same number of at bats any of those four seasons. It was all different, but every year it rounded to 247. I mean, there's a model of consistency for you. You should play that lottery number. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but obviously it would make sense if the Red Sox were to face them. He's a guy you'd have to pitch around because, you know, and I know Jed Lowry, old friend uh, here in Boston. I mean, I know he's had a nice little year. uh, What is he now, like 35, I think, or something? I mean, you know, 
but, you know, other than that, I mean, right, who else is in that lineup that really uh, would, would scare you at all? Yeah, and he's fallen off a bit in the second half, too. Lowry, like, he, he was great in the first half, but um, has slid a little bit. There's just, like, uh, like if you just stack them next to the Yankees, I, I did a column on Sunday just going through, like, all right, who has the better rotation? Who has the better bullpen? Who has the better lineup? It was three for three with the Yankees. Like, uh, Blake Trinan, uh, the Oakland closer might be the best reliever of the bunch, but beyond that, I mean, you look at the Yankees' bullpen, it's stacked. You look at their rotation, it's significantly better. The lineup, you have legitimate threats. Um so I, I think the Red Sox make quick work of the A's. I think a Yankee series would be significantly tougher for them. Yeah, yeah it's funny, too. That you, how many times you win 100 games and you come in second in your division, you know? Yep. <laughs> I mean, the, the Yankees have played, yeah. you know, great ball. They had some injuries uh, early on, but they came through them. Um, are, you, are you just concerned? I know you say, you say they were resting guys and stuff, but the way they kind of lackadaisically played the last couple of weeks, I mean, to me it's kind of hard to turn it off and then turn it back on again, you know? I've always felt that way. I don't know. I, di- I just didn't like the way they played at the end, you know, resting or not. It just, uh, I don't know. That concerned me. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I thought, I mean, Sunday's 10-2 was definitely a nice way to end the season for them. But, I, I mean, the game's just had such a spring training feel to them that I, I think they will be able to flip the switch when the time comes. Like, they, this team this year has given you no real reason to believe they wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah, what gave away the spring training feel? Was it the uh, the Suey Lin, Sam Travis, Blake Swihart outfield? Or <laughs> <laughs> the two winning starts for the starters. Yeah, yeah that, right. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, six pitches, eight pitches in a game. It's like, geez, yeah. I wonder why they go so long. Right. It's so funny to see, like, even on Sunday, Porcello throws two innings and then just jogs out to the bullpen to do the rest of his work there. That's, like, like literally a spring training thing where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Rick's going to the backfield now to finish up his outing. But Yeah. <laughs> but that's game 162, you know? Right. I mean, it's, it is. But, uh, you know, I, you know it, it works for some teams and it doesn't work for others. I mean, I remember the 2000 Yankees. They won their, you know, when they won four out of five years, that fourth title they won, they, they lost like their last eight regular season games and then turned it right on. They flipped the switch in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know. You have to feel that with this, these Red Sox players that I, I think between uh, the players and the manager that I, they might be able to, you know, I don't want you flip the switch sounds so cliche, but I, I think they are going to be able to at least get back up to, you know, although this week is a challenge because you got four days off with no games. I mean, I don't know, inter-squad scrimmage or something. I mean, what do you do here to, you know, do you, do you call up, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, John Casey over at Tufts, you get the uh, get the Tufts baseball team to come over for a little uh, fall scrimmage or something? Yeah, or, a little uh, team building. They go yeah. to the movies together, go, you know, a field trip. Uh, you call know. BC or, I don't know, throw, yeah. throwing out some different uh, possibilities. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you think that's another challenge that, uh, you know, the, the Sox face here, Chris, uh, you know, having all this downtime before they uh, start their uh, division series? Uh, no, I think they're going to enjoy the light workload. And, I mean, they i mean—they have cage work. They have they could do live BPs if they wanted to. I, I don't think that will factor in. You know, if they, um, if they fall apart in the ALDS, I think it will be based on, you know, sales arm not being right, price you know, regressing, 
things like that as opposed to just like the rest, the downtime, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think a couple of few days off might be good for them to rest up their bones. Yeah, at least you for know, some it, of those. It is, a, it is a long season. Yeah. Know? No. Yeah. No. It's it's helpful. Well, back to the the AL wild card game for a moment here. So uh, the Yankees. Uh, I mean, do we know who the, either of the starting pitchers are yet? To have the Yankees, the Yankees haven't announced who's starting that game yet, right? I mean, I, I think they'd be leaning towards J. A. Happ because I think it's his data pitch. It was. It's either Happ or Tanaka. Um, I mean, it would be helpful. I think from the Red Sox point of view to start Happ in the wild card game because then. You know, he doesn't appear in the uh, division series against the Red Sox until later. I mean, because I'm kind of with you, Chris, and I think, Howie, you're probably in the same boat here. I think we're all thinking the Yankees are going to win this game. I think they're at, they're at home. Uh, they, they had the second most home wins, I think, of anybody in uh, in, in the majors this year, uh, only behind the Red Sox. So it just it feels like everything's kind of leaning in their direction. Yeah, I would have thought the Cubs were going to win today, too, but that tells you what I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, anyway, but so, yeah, I, I think the Yankees are there. I mean, Hap uh, pitched well against the Sox this year, whether he was in Toronto or New York. Uh, so I think the Red Sox probably would like the less they see of him, the better. So if they if Hap starts the wild card game, that's probably a plus for the Sox. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do we think we haven't heard anything official, though, right? No, I, I haven't okay. seen anything official. All right, and then as far as the uh, the lineup, you know, you know how we alluded to it a little bit with the, you know, Yankees have certainly had a lot of injuries this year, but in the end they still win a hundred games, first time ever in uh, in history. The Red Sox and Yankees win a hundred games each in the same season. Uh, you know, what are we? I mean, it feels like that all the Yankees are back in relative good health. Chapman seems to be back, you know, in in health. Uh, they've gotten Gary Sanchez back. Uh, I know they, they're not thinking a whole lot of him as a defensive catcher, but certainly he puts up some scary offensive numbers, especially against Red Sox pitching. Judge is uh, back. Yeah, Judge is he back. Was out for a while. Right. I mean, Stanton, you know, everyone said he had, you know, com- if you compare him and JD, I mean, certainly Martinez had the all around better offensive numbers. Stanton, though, still, I think he had like 370 against the Red Sox this year, and he had like, in five of his home runs against the Sox, too. So he certainly, you know, was feasting on their pitching. Oh, you know, D.D. Gregorius, I guess, would be the one guy I guess I'd ask you a question on here, Chris. Uh, he's been a little banged up with the wrist. And, uh, you know, he's a very underrated part of what makes that lineup go. Uh, and plus, he's a good defensive shortstop, too. So what's yeah, uh, what's um, the update on him? He, he has some torn ligaments in the hand, but he's playing through them. Got a cortisone shot. Um, and he played over the weekend. So I don't know how, like, what percent you'll see him at, but he'll be out there. Only thing with him is he has, like, you look at his offensive numbers and you're like, wow, these are pretty good. His home road splits are very severe, where he really takes advantage of that short porch in Yankee Stadium. Um, I think of his 25 home runs this year, 17 were at home. So starting at Fenway could be another thing that um, factors in to um, how he gets off. But other than that, they're, yeah, they're, they're in pretty good health. Yeah, It'd be interesting. It's going to be an interesting series if they do play the Yankees again. But I thought I was reading something the other day that said that they've actually only played each other three times in, in the, the postseason. The post- oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and they haven't met since uh, '04. Yeah. I mean, it, it was '99 LCS, and then the '03 and '04 LCS is back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the only. Those are the yeah, only three everyone times. Everyone thinks they're always playing each other, you know, in the in the playoffs and you know fighting for the World Series. They don't play each other that often in the postseason. You know, it is because we play each other 19 times a year. In the regular season, that's why everyone thinks we're always playing against each other. Yep. 
you know, is that a, is that another thing too here to think about, Chris? Uh, certainly, everyone talks about the whole. I mean, I guess people outside of Boston, New York, could care less. You know, they're probably sick of hearing about the the great rivalry that is Red Sox Yankees. But I, I think from at least these, you know, the perspective of here and in New York. You know, this is a this is a great rivalry, and and they love you know that the, the fans of both cities certainly love it when they go head to head, and you know it's been 14 years since we've been able to have anything like that in the postseason. Do you think that really do you do you think having them play each other in the division series w- would help ratchet things up a, a notch or two uh, as far as just the overall interest for the Red Sox uh, here in October? How could it not? I mean, especially given the regular season these two have had. You know, fighting back in what was that April? I mean, I know that literally, yeah. <laughs> but like there's legitimate bad blood there. Mm. I mean, I know Tyler Austin's already traded away, but hey, Joe I Kelly's mean, still you know, around. Cora, yeah. Alex Cora was telling Phil Nevin to get back in his box. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like there's some legitimate, and then the whole um, Severino throwing at Mookie thing, like later in the season <laughs> when Cora yeah. dropped the like Cora got ejected, dropped the is that a quality start after? You know, there's there's definitely some legitimate disdain between the two, and I think that's only going to intensify if they meet, you know? Yeah, get ready for some long nights. Well, on the bright side, it's only a best of five, not best of seven. I think it would go the distance if they, they meet up, and no, I think no, they I'm will. I'm talking about four-plus-hour games. Oh, I know what you're talking about, <laughs> but the difference being, I mean, in 04, there were seven of those. <laughs> you know, they, And in 03, there were seven of those. At most, there's only going to be five of them this time around since they, they meet around earlier. I think, it, in fact, you know, just looking at this, I think it will be Sox-Yankees. I think it's going five games if they meet up in the LDS and uh, – I mean, uh, the Red Sox got the home games, which they haven't, you know, they haven't started these series the last couple of years at home. I think that's going to be a big plus for them. They were 57-24 and 24 this year at Fenway, best best home record in the majors. And uh, I think that that's going to go a long way. And, and that Fenway crowd, I mean, especially if they're playing the Yankees, you know that crowd will be into every pitch of that game. Yep, and they really did have that deer-in-the-headlights look both of the last two years opening on the road. You know, it was like, one bad thing would happen, then another, and suddenly it's like they're caught in quicksand. And what are they? Oh, two both years, right? Yeah. I, I do think uh, starting at home will make a difference for them. Yeah, and I think uh, the lot of last couple of years too, everyone's been focusing on you know the playoff pitching of Price and you know Sale being worn down and you know just they're going in they're going in with all these negative things at them right off the bat. So it'd be nice to uh, you know the people, the media, uh, excluding company right now would be a little yeah. more positive about this team you know i mean like you read in the paper you know this weekend you know world series are bust you know it's you know if they don't make it it's just going to be a wasted season and you know no, yeah. it's a great season right you and know let's let's go on the positives that's right chris please pass this along to the dark night when you're on a, when you're on a show again okay <laughs> yeah that was um Mookie said something like that after sunday's game like someone asked what would be a failure if you don't win the world series and he goes well, World Series is what it's all about. Like, we know that's what that's why we play this game. But, no, I don't think it would be a failure yeah. if we don't win a World Series. You know, it's a crapshoot in the playoffs. We won 108 games and set a franchise record. So, But, yeah, yeah let's talk about the crapshoot that is the American League this year because, obviously, the Yankees won 100 games, and so did the defending World Series champion Houston Astros, who I think might be the best team in the American League still. Someone's going to have to knock them off that perch for me to be convinced otherwise. You know, again, they did win 103 games this year. They're, they'll have their uh, division series against uh, Cleveland. And, of course, you can't discount... Uh, the Indians with Terry Francona managing in the dugout. Uh, you never know what uh, what he might come up with. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in that team who probably 
maybe a lot of casual baseball fans have never heard of, but uh, but they do have, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez certainly was an MVP candidate or is an MVP candidate this year. And uh, uh, you, Chris, your quick thoughts on, on the uh, Astros-Indians uh, division series coming up. Those teams are both legit. <laughs> um, I think whether the Red Sox draw the Yankees or the A's, they're happy not to have one of those two in the first round. Um, especially, I mean, if you look at both rotations, they're pretty nasty. Um, both made bullpen additions in July, too, that certainly helped. I mean, Brad Hand was probably the best reliever to move, and he ended up in uh, Cleveland. And then Houston got Ozuna, which I thought was a pretty sketchy move. You know, I don't think that's really a guy that you want to bring into your organization. With, I guess since then his uh, charges have been dropped, but still, that was like up in the air. That was one of those ones that just felt like, oh. But, I mean, he's still a legit closer. I mean, both those teams are very, very good. And if the Sox make it to the ALCS, I think they're going to have a tough time. Yeah, there's, it's not a, there's not an easy road. There's not anyone that I'm going to say, oh, I'd rather have him play this one than that one. I mean, yeah, right down the line. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could make a case for any of those four teams, you know, Boston, New York, Cleveland, Houston, coming out of the American League. I mean, all four of those teams yeah. have as good a chance as – any of the others. So you're discounting Oakland. You just figure they, they just ain't got a chance. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think they're going to have a hard time Todd, winning. Todd yes. who said that. I think they're going to have a hard time just winning in New York, getting out of that game. I mean. They're just not in the same class as the other four. Yeah, I, I think Chris illustrated it too just because you know, their pitching staff's a mess and they really only have a couple dangerous hitters to worry about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, uh, admirable effort by them this year. They won 97 games and, and did it uh, without very little fanfare or a budget. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I think the, you know, it ends there. Yeah, it's kind of odd now that I look at this. Oakland's won six more games than Cleveland this year, and yet I, I totally fear Cleveland because of their postseason pedigree the last few years and the fact they have Francona and we know what he can, he's capable of. And you know, yeah, I just, I with Oakland, you're right. I mean, I don't. Yeah, and, I, don't and I think losing Shamanaya was huge for them. You know. No, uh, yeah, the guy who no hit the Red Sox early in the year. Yeah. You say that name rings a bell, huh? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a a big loss. Uh. Yeah. So then you know then we got the whole National League quagmire with the fact we we mentioned there's two play-in games today or not play-in games, uh, two games to decide divisions and then the losers are moving to the wild card. I'm assuming the Dodgers. Uh, I know uh, Milwaukee uh, beat the Cubs earlier. The Brewers beat the Cubs earlier today. Uh, I'm assuming the Dodgers had a big lead on Colorado. Is that a final? Yes. Yep. Okay. They, they won that. Dodgers so the Dodgers won. did win. So they won the NL West. So your wild card game will be Colorado at Chicago uh, tomorrow. Yeah, is it tomorrow? Yeah, right. Uh, they they play tomorrow, and then the winner of that game will go to Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee will host them on the Thursday in the ALDS. Atlanta Dodgers is the other series then. Yeah, I think Any? let's see um, Milwaukee Cubs round two. Um, yeah, that's going to be weird, right? They played today, and yet, right? I mean, even though the yeah, how even though the Cubs uh, lost at home unexpectedly today to the to the Brewers and lost the division as a result, there's a, you know there's a good chance they could be going to Milwaukee on Thursday, game one of the LDS with a chance for some sweet revenge. Got it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> I think they've got Lester going tomorrow. Yeah, they, that's I read that Lester's been picked to be the starter. Hard to bet against that guy in a do or die game. Oh uh, well, they said last time they did that, he uh, didn't fare too well. Mm. I forget. I forget what the numbers were, but they, they, when the last time they pitched him, I think it was a wild card. He had uh, pretty uh, bad numbers. Oh, was that the uh, oh the, when they lost to the Royals that year when he was pitching yeah. in Oakland? He pitched for Oakland there yep. briefly. We all forget exactly. briefly. Uh, John Lester was with Oakland there. For that. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, the Cespedes uh, swap, which then turned into the Porcello Cespedes swap, and uh, yep. you know, uh, but yeah, they they kept flipping uh, Cespedes there. Uh, but yeah, no, that was not a good start, and I remember that uh, he got knocked around against the that was at uh, Kauffman Stadium against the Royals, who went on to win the World Series that year. So it's uh, not, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I think it was. Wait a minute, was that fourteen or fifteen? No, actually, maybe they they were runner ups that year. I think the Giants might have won that year over KC, but still, you know, they're that's, yeah. But usually, as a rule, you usually got to worry about less stuff. Right, and Red Sox fans, I I think all of us here in Boston certainly still have kind of a soft spot for John Lester, and you know, deservedly so. And I think we would certainly give uh, him uh, a, a good a chance as any. Uh, in especially uh, pitching at Wrigley uh, tomorrow against the uh, the Rockies, who uh, you know uh, fought hard this year, and uh, you know kind of a similar run that they had uh, when they uh, met the Sox in the '07 World Series. But yeah, I don't know that nationally to me too. Flip a coin, I mean a four-sided or five-sided uh, coin, uh, pretty much to figure out. I I don't know Atlanta, Milwaukee, Cubs, Colorado Dodgers. I mean, there's no favorite there either. Uh, do you see one, Chris? No, I don't think there is a clear favorite. Um, I do like Milwaukee's chances if uh, they keep playing the way they've been playing, especially with uh, Hater on the back end there. I mean, that, that kid is nasty. Just watching his last two innings today, you know, he lights out. Um, yeah, he made the all-star team too, right? I don't think there's, right? you know, a clear, hater, uh, <laughs> a clear favorite there. Yeah, I just didn't realize the Brewers had played so well this year. Yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you who their top, uh, their starting pitch, who's their number one, their ace pitcher. I don't know who their number one starting pitcher is. I couldn't tell you. Do you, do you know off the top of your head, Chris? Um, who their number one is? Yeah, I'm just, uh, hey, they didn't play the Red Sox this year. If you don't know, I'm, we're not going to hold it against you. I was just curious. I honestly don't. I couldn't tell you because I honestly, I think other than Ryan Braun and, uh, yeah, that might be about it as far as naming Brewers. Uh Gorman I mean, Thomas, uh, does he Lorenzo count? Lorenzo Cain and oh, right. Bellich is probably the MVP. Sorry, Low Cain. How could I forget about him? <laughs> right, from uh, from the Royals formerly, yes. Yeah, yeah. last time Lester got a wild card start uh, in 2014. He allowed six runs in seven and a third innings. Mm. Well, he was pitching on the road, though, so that's different. Yeah, but still is. <laughs> I know. He just didn't. He just didn't. No, well. you're right. No, that was not good. But, uh, yeah, I would. Uh... He's getting up there. you got to figure <laughs> He's, he's been around for a while now. Well, he, yeah, his numbers this year weren't quite as good. That's one of the reasons the Cubs, uh, you know, struggled for a large part of the season. I mean, they had some injuries, and I know Lester struggled. They, they got hot down the stretch, but then the Brewers got extra hot and caught the Cubs at the end to, you know, force the today's game and then uh, the fact that they uh, were able to take the division away. Yeah, um, and they did look really good today, too. I haven't got to watch a ton of them, but I um, was impressed by what I saw today. Yeah. So you still don't know who their top pitcher is, right? I, I'm just asking now. I, I really don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> he didn't pitch today, right? I mean, I, I don't think so. No. Uh, I don't even know who started for them today. Yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'm no, like, that's okay. I mean, like I said, that's you know, right. I mean, that just tells you how little we know about the Brewers. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy for a team that won 96 games. <laughs> don't know much about them. <laughs> Exactly. I, I, you know, I keep wanting to bring up names like uh, Sisto Lascano and, uh, you know, uh, Bob McClure. He was, I think, a Brewers pitcher. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> He's going back like 40 years, but uh, almost. All right. Well, uh, overall then, so uh, what do we think? We all like uh, the Sox over the Yankees in the LDS. Is that pretty unanimous? Or? Oh, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I think I'd go Sox in five. 
Yeah, it's going to go the limit, and then you got to like them, you know, get in that deciding game at Fenway, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That bullpen just scares me. I just, it's just, I don't know. It just scares me. Oh, yeah, someone's got to step up. As I, as I said on our last TV show, this feeling, you know, this year has a lot of a 2003 Red Sox feel to it because, you know, that was a year they didn't really have a bullpen either. And then by the time they finally did get a couple guys pitching well, Grady Little lost all confidence, and he left Pedro out too long. We all know how that season ended. So that's... <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, it's it's tough, you know, and then, uh, you know, but at my work, my encouragement will be this. I was just looking here. Uh, J.D. Martinez this year uh, hit three thirty three against the Yankees with four home runs, 20 RBIs, uh, and slugged five ninety seven. And Mookie hit four fifteen against the Yankees this year. And he slugged seven thirty eight, ten doubles, three homers, 15 runs batted in. So those two guys, if they can uh, knock the Yankee pitchers around a little bit, I think that's what I... Uh, so that's what you're leaning on? I guess so, right. In, lack of, in lieu of no bullpen, or at least someone we can rely on. Does that sound good, Chris? Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, it sounds like the other way. In other words, we're going to have to out, we're gonna have to outscore them when we can't uh, defeat them defensively. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty much. I mean, I think it kind of comes down to, like, the bullpen is going to blow a game, but will they blow it so badly the offense can't come back? Because that's something that kept happening in the second half. There was a point where they'd blown 12 of 24 save opportunities, but hadn't lost many of those games just because the offense could overcompensate for it. Yeah, there were like, there were a lot of quality games that were pitched by the starters that the bullpen let them down. You know, the guys, some of those guys, had a few more wins, uh, but the bullpen let them down. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Chris, I, I know uh, this time of year when the playoffs roll around, that press box gets a little more crowded. So make sure you don't lose your seat. Oh, I won't. <laughs> there you I'm go. in the front row. And I'm not moving for anything. There you go. You've definitely earned it. Uh, all right. Well, enjoy uh, enjoy the postseason run, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, get a chance to uh, to touch base with you, pun totally intended, uh, at some point. Uh, you know, maybe later this month, or uh, certainly after the season. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on again, guys. Always. Sure. Always yeah. good talking to you, Chris. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Right. We love you. Yeah. Got it. Love you. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yes, that is uh, Howie's nephew, Chris Mason, uh, whose byline you can read at, uh, at the Eagle Tribune. Uh, he, uh, that's uh, at Eagle Trib or eagletribune.com, where you can uh, check out his little special commemorative uh, Red Sox preview. And because he's the only one who covers the Red Sox, for the Eagle Tribune, it he wrote every story that's in there, every uh, every angle you got right there. Uh, and of course, you can follow uh, Chris on Twitter at uh, it's at by Chris Mason. So, uh, uh, Howie, you got any other final thoughts? I'm guessing probably not, given that we ran a bit longer than uh, scheduled here. Yeah, no, I think we pretty much covered it. All we can do is hope for the hope for the bullpen to do do the right thing. No question about it. Uh, yes, for sure. Uh, let's uh, let's go Red Sox here as we gear up for some October baseball. Again, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can search Time Out for Sports Talk on Facebook and on Twitter, at TOSTBMC. Uh, we'll give you the links to these uh, Toddcasts as soon as they're available. And uh, don't forget, you can also check out previous uh, television shows at Time Out for Sports Talk with Howie and myself. They're on demand at belmontmedia.org. Our next live show will be coming up on October 17th. By the way, that's game four of the uh, ALCS, so... Uh, Keep an eye on social media for the time, our start time. We're going to be live that night, but not sure what the time will be yet, so uh, stay tuned for that. All right. Uh, anyway, so once again, we want to thank Chris Mason uh, from uh, CNHI Sports Boston. And until next time, for Howie McClellan, I'm Todd Blonierz. Thank you for checking out the TOC Podcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. Good night. <laughs>